This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the dim. It go down. It go down in the dim. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, friendo, Steve here. Hey, Larson. Welcome back to Going In Raw. It's time for another count out. It's a top 10 show where uh, we, we d- talk about 10 topics. 10. This time, Dark Side of the Ring revealed. We're going to be doing 10 pitches. We did this before. We did this like three years ago. Yeah. Uh, for Dark Side of the Ring. Now that the, the, the latest season has concluded with the Marty Jannetty episode. Yeah, uh, which our review of that is up right now at the over at the Friendo Club channel where we do the shorter the shorter form content. Uh, now that it's done, feel like uh, we'll go ahead and uh, and and maybe offer up some ideas for the new season of Dark Side of the Ring. Assuming they're going to do another one. Yeah, season five, the new one. Yeah. Next oh my one. goodness, it'd be season five already. I know. Uh, so we had done this a couple of years back in between seasons, and people seemed to like it. And uh, in fact, I'm not going to claim credit for this, but some of the ideas that we had proffered ended up being uh, uh, actually, you know, done as episodes. Yeah, Yeah. produced, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's face it. Some of these are kind of obvious. But here's the thing about this episode is that we looked at all the ones that we had previously proffered. We're not we're not doing any redos. No, no. These are fresh, new, fresh ideas, new, New, fresh ideas, Yeah, fresh, new ideas. Now, one thing we noticed uh, from this season of Dark Side of the Ring is uh, it sort of took two tacks. One kind of a familiar route of, uh, you know, looking at wrestlers who just sort of couldn't get out of their own way, uh, you know, be it Marty Jannetty. Uh, uh, well, Chris Candido was actually kind of a sad case because yeah. I feel like, you know, his ultimate, you know, when he died, it was sort of just a fluke. 
It really it was a was. fluke injury it thing really that was. happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, you know, uh, Matt Bourne, guys with heavy substance abuse issues. But there was also, uh, like for example, the Bash of the Beach episode, mm-hmm. uh, where it was just more like uh, an angle that the people behind the scenes couldn't get on the same page mm-hmm. on. And then uh, one of them dudes, Hulk Hogan, brother, uh, in the ultimate of that doesn't work for me, brother, sued WCW and Vince Russo. Yeah. For uh, defamation, yeah. Uh, and then they were like, "Hey, Hogan, you can't, you you, you can't a, ca- a fictional character cannot sue another fictional character exactly for defamation. You can't defame that anyway. a fictional character, uh, indeed." So that sort of you know maybe inspired a little bit of of, of some of the topics that we've got today. But yeah. also, even in the recent history, there's been some topics that I'll be honest might have to wait a good decade or two probably brawl out. Uh, before it's actually uh, a topic of dark side, there's a spoiler for you. It's not going to stop us from talking about him here, though. No, because it'd, it'd still be. It'd, I'll be honest, it'd be ballsy for they to, them to tackle brawl out like I know, next so season. soon. <laughs> Imagine the numbers that episode would get. Huge, oh, huge man. That story dominated th- thumbnails for us for a good eight months. Oh my goodness gracious! Yeah, so uh, let's go ahead and dive into it. Uh, number ten. Ten. The Heroes of Wrestling, the ironically titled Heroes of Wrestling. Now, our good friend Brian Zane did a whole video on this like seven years ago or something, yeah. a while ago. Uh, and then uh, OSW Review, I know they did they did one. So this was an ill-fated pay-per-view yes. with a pretty decent premise back in 1999 when wrestling was arguably at its mainstream peak. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if we put together a bunch of dream matches between uh, legends from the 80s and of the earlier 90s. So names yeah. like Yokozuna, uh, uh, Jim Neidhart of the Hart Foundation, mm-hmm. uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, uh, King Kong Bundy uh, were all signed up. But then there was a bunch of other names like Sid was approached, but he was still under contract with WCW. Um, and uh, and there were a bunch of other people on the card. Yeah, and uh, And it's mostly known for just being an absolute abject disaster. And the face of that disaster was Jake Roberts, who yeah. unfortunately, you know, at the time he was he was battling his addiction issues. Well, mm-hmm. unfortunately, right before this ha- the, the, this pay-per-view went live, um, he had basically shown up and he had clearly fallen off the bandwagon. Yeah, and yeah so he was he was inebriated. Yes. And, and it was more been, well known for his, you know, performance. The imagery is, of him essentially yeah. jerking off the snake. Yes. Right, correct. To yes. put it bluntly, I mean that's that's kind of if, <laughs> that's if, what he did. That's what he did. Oh man! He took a snake, yeah. put it between his legs, and you can imagine the rest if you haven't seen the, the footage. It's out there. It's uh, out there. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, it, it, considering the lineup of wrestling legends, some other names: Abdul the Butcher. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, you mentioned Bundy, Yokozuna, Tully mm-hmm. Blanchard, Bushwhackers, Iron Sheik, uh, and Nikolai Volkov. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Valentine, George the Animal Steel, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of lineup, and it generated all of twenty nine thousand pay per view buys. Okay, so hold on one second. There. What? Hold on. I know. I understand. Wrestling was at its peak when I saw that number. I'm like, okay, I know this is a heavily advertised show with some major names. Twenty nine thousand people is kind of a lot of people, Larson. <laughs> I mean, it's, I know, like, they probably were hoping for, like, 100,000, right? Yeah. I get that. 
29,000 is kind of not, nothing to like, you know, uh, I guess back then it probably was just like, you know, it's like, oh, man, what what a crappy batch of numbers. But like, I don't know, 29,000 is pretty good for for a lot of people these days, I would think. These days, we're, we got to go back to 1999 where there is no streaming. You couldn't you couldn't watch <laughs> Zero TikToks. competition. You couldn't watch yeah. TikToks on your phone. Yeah. The competition yeah, for your I television know. dollar was, was no was nowhere near as vast as it is now. That is that is true. Yeah, it it has was, four was, channels and pay per view. Yeah. That's all you had. <laughs> Come on, man! I know the Larson household had cable dating back a, a decade before this, man. At uh, least, probably closer at to least. fifteen years before. Probably this show. closer to fifteen years. Exactly. Uh, yes, there was still cable. Nonetheless, there wasn't uh, hundreds upon hundreds of channels like there is now. Several, yeah. maybe a few dozen. Yes. Um, I mean, and it was also it was attended, and again, the attendance number is like. You know, crapped on by twenty three hundred people. Yeah. Which, if I'm not mistaken, I think an episode of Collision did like less than that not that long ago. So yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just. Then saying. again, but, competition for entertainment dollar today way more yeah, than it was in 1999. What I what I didn't get, and, and I don't know, maybe it's in the Wikipedia entry. Do we know how much the pay per view costs? Oh, to what purchase? they what they pointed up to put it on that I don't know. Because twenty nine thousand times, even if it was twenty dollars. Is what about half a million dollars right there? Yeah, yeah. Which I don't know how much these people are charging or what the costs were, but evidently they didn't. They look it wasn't successful enough to do another one because a whole franchise was planned for Heroes of Wrestling. And some of this, I mean, honestly, some of this was just beset by horrible luck. I mean, yeah. honestly, most of it was. If Jake the Snake Roberts shows up and he's clean and sober, you might have something good on your hands here. Now. Look, 29,000 people just means that it wasn't advertised heavily enough or just there wasn't the demand for it. I don't yeah. know. So I'm not sure that would have changed it. But like the historical perspective on this probably would have been a lot different. For example, yeah. had Gordon Soley not contracted throat cancer right before this occurred because he was advertised as the color commentator. Instead, they mm -hmm. got a guy who had no idea what he was doing. And then there was Dutch Mantel also. But the play by play <laughs> guy had no idea what he was doing. Yeah. You could have whatever your opinion on Dutch Mantel is. He knows what wrestling moves are. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's true. So which is more that could be said for the actual color commentator. Um, but, you know, Gordon Soley, he ended up passing away nine months afterwards because of throat cancer. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, that's just bad luck it is. on the from the per, pro from, from the promoter's perspective. It is It it's is to say nothing of the human aspect of Gordon Soley having throat cancer. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it does seem like this show was kind of befallen with some some bad luck in, in several respects. Um, and I, I guess, it, you know, it, to a degree, it shows that even though wrestling was at its peak, arguably, in the mm -hmm. late 90s, early 2000s, um, it, doesn't, it didn't necessarily have a trickle-down effect right, to yeah, the yeah. industry writ large, you know? Um, I think at that time, yeah. the, the wrestling fan who was spending their money on wrestling wanted to see the wrestlers of the then and now. They wanted to spend their money to watch Stone Cold and The Rock and the NWO and Goldberg and such. I've heard, um, it's funny, it's, it's interesting, though, dude, because, like, the people who are will who want to plunk down pay-per-view money, mm -hmm. number one, they're already plunking down pay-per-view money for two promotions because WCW 99 hadn't quite reached. I forget, was, was the finger poking late or early 99? It was early 99, 99, I believe. It was early 99. Okay, well, still they had Hogan. Um, and, uh, and so they were still putting in money on WCW and WWF pay-per-views. And but if I recall correctly, generally speaking, like the indie state of pro wrestling, I think was pretty decent. 
Like it was experiencing, I yeah, think I've heard a boom. But what you're saying is absolutely true. The trickle down effect from WWF and WCW did not affect the pay per view. No, no. You know, I mean, audience. you know, ninety nine. Yeah. That was before the 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 birth of Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, so yeah, the independent scene. And we'll talk about a promotion that sprung up in the wake of WWF buying WCW here later on that featured mm-hmm. a lot of prominent indie right, talent yeah. of the time that have gone on to do major things. Um, you know, you had Brian Danielson, you had mm-hmm. uh, 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 Joe and AJ Styles yeah. and Christopher yeah. Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. There's all these names in the late 90s, early 2000s that were really making a name for themselves in the independent scene, you know, which led kind of directly to the birth of Ring of Honor in a lot of ways. So, right, right. This was just a couple of years before that. So, for sure. Chronic migraine is 15 or more headache days a month, each lasting four hours or more. Botox, onabotulinum toxin A, prevents headaches in adults with chronic migraine. It's not for adults with migraine with 14 or fewer headache days a month. It prevents, on average, eight to nine headache days a month versus six to seven for placebo. Prescription Botox is injected by your doctor. Effects of Botox may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness can be signs of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Side effects may include allergic reactions, neck and injection site pain, fatigue, and headache. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Don't receive Botox if there's a skin infection. Tell your doctor your medical history, muscle or nerve conditions, including ALS Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome, and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. Ask your doctor and visit BotoxChronicMigraine.com or call 1-800-44-BOTOX to learn more. David's Bridal, where brides and bridesmaids get fabulously dressed. We let our friends pick out what we wear, show off our dance moves, obsess over every little detail, hold your hand through it all, Smile bravely when it's time to let go. Make your dreams come true. The things we do for love. Only at David's Bridal. At IKEA, your dream home is a blue bag away. No matter the size of your space or budget, we've got everything you need to turn your dreams into reality. And now with new lower prices on hundreds of our most popular products, bringing the dream home is even easier. Like the gray Strandom wing chair was $369, now $299. And the IKEA Plus 365 nine-piece cookware set was $129.99, now $89.99. And hundreds more. Shop new lower prices at ikea-usa.com today. Um, I'm going to see really quick. Oh, here we go. So uh, here's the lineup for Heroes of Wrestling. <clears throat> and Dave Meltzer star ratings, Larson. <laughs> of course, you and I, we have our guess the Meltzer star ratings yes. uh, uh, series over at the Friendo Club Wrestling Channel. Um, guess what? Guess what the highest rated, the highest rated match. Guess what the actual match rating was? One and a half stars. One and a quarter. Okay. And that was Two Cold Scorpio versus Julio Fantastico, which went about 10 minutes. Hard to believe a Two Cold Scorpio match would, would do so so poorly. Yeah, Two Cold uh, Scorpio's great. Otherwise, there was only one other match on the card that had a positive star rating. It wow. was Samu and the Samoan Savage versus Marty Jannetty and Tommy Rogers. It went 10 minutes, and it got a half star. Otherwise, everything got... Negative stars or dud. Or dud. In- wow. Interestingly, the Bushwhackers match against Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik did worse 
Then the main event with Jake Roberts and Yokozuna, Jim Neidhart, and King Kong Bundy. My goodness. I'd, I'd have to read his write-up on it. I'm assuming uh, maybe the, the train wreck nature of it saved it from getting a negative five-star review that the Bushwhackers got. Instead, yeah. it got a negative three-star review. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, anyways, wow. needless to say, uh, this one would be easy. Also, uh, from a production standpoint, it's seemingly everybody and their uncle is using uh, the, the pay-per-view. It's available free on YouTube. It's just out there. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't seem to be any copyright issues. So, <laughs> so you guys can use whatever footage you want from this exactly. shit. Exactly. And you'll exactly. be in the clear. No clearance. No clearance issues with sure, that one. And they're already tight with uh, with Jake the Snake Roberts, I'm That's sure. True. Yeah, he'd probably, he'd, pretty, he'd probably be fine recollecting. Yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe it's a sore subject for him. Who knows? Yeah, Anyways. who knows? Who knows? Yeah, let's move on, Larson, to number nine. Nine. Haku. So Haku is generally regarded, at least by a good number of people in the professional wrestling industry, past and present, as one of, if not the toughest men Ooh, yeah. to ever be a professional wrestler. These stories that people tell, mm-hmm. stuff of legend. Oh, yeah. Like absolutely. stuff like a, 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 a normal dude like myself can't fathom that someone would be able to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yet Haku has apparently done them all. Um, I mean, I, in terms of like a story arc, uh, you know, it, it, it'd, be, it'd be an hour of people talking about these incredible feats that Haku have, have done. I believe the there is a compilation of exactly that on YouTube uh-huh. of like a variety of wrestlers from the past talking about Haku stories. Yeah. And like the one that stands out to me mostly is uh, I, I think he didn't he like rip somebody's eye out like one of yeah. the, like it was like on so the, apparently on the street he, he somewhere. bit somebody's nose off yeah uh, during a, a altercation at an airport mm-hmm. uh, he pulled somebody's teeth out of their mouth ah which I that that one I can't imagine how that's even possible yeah like with your yeah. bare hands pulling someone's teeth out I don't and then yeah the, the eyeball one uh, apparently like cops were trying to detain him and, and were using batons and, and mace and he was no selling all of it. Yeah. Like there's these legendary stories about Haku and, and to hear, you know, getting, I know Kevin Sullivan's t- told some stories, Shane Douglas. So that, yeah, I, I have like a whole lo- list here. Uh, Rick Martell says, uh, I'll give you an example of how, t- of how real wrestling is. King Haku, I would put this guy against anybody in a real fight. He could kill anybody. This guy is a killing machine. Toughest motherfucker I've ever met. Ric Flair says he's the toughest son of a bitch I've ever met in my whole life. No lie, take my word for it. Perry Saturn says nobody would stand a chance against Ming. Not even a question. He could kill everyone without blinking. There's no one anything could do about it. Uh, and all this last one here, Ted DiBiase says, one time we were in a rough part of St. Louis for a show. Everyone had been drinking. A large fight broke out, which resulted in the police showing up. Mang had a few drinks, but saw the fight break out. So he started trying to break it up. In the process, police thought he was part of the fight and maced him and then handcuffed him. Mang was cuffed behind his back, looked at the police, and snapped the handcuffs. (laughs) (laughs) That's insane. Yeah, it's kind of awesome. <laughs> uh, I got one here from Shane Douglas during a shoot interview. Says you'd be better off fighting the U.S. Army than fighting Haku. Uh, he <laughs> talked about that incident with the police. Uh, yeah. Kevin Sullivan t- says this about the bar fight. He says it was fast and furious. He then grabbed another guy who tried to get involved and knocked him unconscious. Oh, uh, listen Mang- to this one, Arn oh, Anderson. Arn. Oh, is there more from? Yeah, there's uh, more. From it says Mang bit through the guy's shirt like a wolf. Bit a chunk out of the guy's back and spit it on the floor. 
They said it's time to go. Um, Here's here's Arn Anderson uh, says, there are three types of men in the world. There are tough men, there are wrestler tough men, and then there's Ming. He was in a completely different category than anybody else on the planet. There was one instance where a large cowboy was arguing with Ming, and he pushed the cowboy through two different sets of doors using only one hand. <laughs> he didn't. Is it possible Haku's an alien? <laughs> Maybe he didn't tell. Is one that tells a story about how he took uh, Haku took two fingers on his right hand, his index and 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 uh, middle. Wow, these two, these two fingers, mm-hmm. reached into somebody's mouth and pulled a tooth out. Ah, Did he use so the thumb? A, he's a dentist no thumb. as well. He just used these ones right here. Apparently, Eric Bischoff was too afraid to too afraid to fire Ming in WCW. Yeah, uh, I could make for an enjoyable one, watch with he, the reenactments uh, and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, here's here's listen to this. this uh, just close your eyes and imagine. I'll do the that. Dark Side guys reenacting this. So Brutus Beefcake had gone to management and complained that Haku oh, yeah. slapped him too hard during their match. When Haku found out, he walked straight to Beefcake's locker room and grabbed him out of the shower. He started choking him and lifting him two feet in the air while everybody else looked on because they were too scared to step in and break it up. Eventually, Hulk Hogan came in and talked Ming down. Doesn't work for me, brother. That sounds like an hour of entertainment, entertaining content right there. Like, there doesn't have to be an arc. No. Just stories. Just, just stories. Just, just stories and reenactments. Exactly. Naked Beefcake. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Number eight. Eight. XWF, also known as the Excitement Wrestling Federation. Yeah, they didn't want the Extreme Wrestling Federation because apparently they wanted to have a more family-friendly approach to counter-program what WWF was doing at right, the time. Exactly. So this yeah. sprouted up after uh, uh, the fall of WCW, mm-hmm. um, and they wanted to form a company that was competition for WWE. And so you look at the right. talent roster that was assembled uh, for this upstart promotion. Oh, you man. had Hogan, you had Perfect. Uh, yeah, yeah, Shivani, Lawler. Uh, okay. Piper, well, AJ, AJ Styles, he AJ was, Styles, I mean, young AJ Styles, young Carlito, Daniels, yeah. Christopher Daniels, uh, Sable. Oh yeah, was involved. Cool. Like there were some major names involved. Apparently, they shot ten hours worth of content mm-hmm. and, and and put that together to pitch to network executives looking for a TV deal. However, by right, the time yeah. in early 2022, when they were starting to shop that around, all the major names started signing elsewhere. Oh yeah, no Hogan, yeah. no perfect, yeah. no perfect. Um, so they had programming without the major stars in it to promote it. Yeah, they were yeah. all on WWE television. They weren't yeah. going to promote this new stuff, <laughs> right? So imagine you're watching like a wrestling promotion, and then like you're ten episodes in, and then and then like episode eleven hits, and then all of a sudden it's Marty Jannetty main eventing. Exactly, and it's like what? What? That didn't make any sense. I, I was expecting Hulk Hogan. Versus, uh, I don't know, who do we have here? Uh, Conan uh, yeah. or uh, or Buff Bagwell. No, Buff Bagwell is uh, back there. In De- well, I guess this would have been after Buff Bagwell. Yeah, that was after Buff. Yeah, he I guess Ray Mysterio si- uh, signed <laughs> yeah. with XWF for oh, a moment. Oh, man, yeah, Ray so, Mysterio. Yeah. Um, the Kiss Demon. They had the Kiss Demon, They too. had Dale Torborg, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, you know, it'd be interesting if, if the narrative was or is, here's this promotion trying to start up to be an alternative because – you know, this early stage won't be direct competition with WWE, but an alternative to WWE. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Vince sees the major names involved and decides, oh, I can't have this. Yeah, right, right. signing up 
the major names to decap this new promotion from starting, of course, if that's the actual narrative. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like also a lot of the ideas that we have for the, for in this episode, it could it could be sort of like, you know, the Infinity War slash Endgame. You yeah. know, it's like we had the steroid trial, but here comes Black Saturday and nationalizing, you know? Yeah. Like here comes him snapping up all the territories. Exactly. And it doesn't end in the 80s. In 2001, he's still like trying to kill off other promotions uh, who have names that could potentially, you know, be uh, competitive to the WWE. So you could tell, you know, like an over, maybe for the first time, instead of each story being its own thing, an overarching narrative where, you know, the Vince McMahon uh, become, you know, is, is revealed as the true Thanos of, uh, of the world of professional wrestling. Indeed. Yeah. I mean, you could do that. And then, and then we, this isn't even on here, but like, uh, you know, the Vince allegations, <laughs> you know, the, the eventual fall of Vince. Yeah. You can't tell. Hey, they're probably waiting that shit out. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, we're going to tell our big Vince story because that might be around the corner. You know, he's yep. got this big federal investigation. Yeah. Um, so anyways, XWF, let's talk about another Vince McMahon story. Number seven. Seven. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash MBO. Terms and conditions apply. Sweet Tarts dared to combine sweet and tart, but we didn't stop there. We combined soft and bouncy to bring you new Sweet Tarts gummies, fruity splits, a uniquely delicious dual-sided gummy with one side that's sweet and one side that's tart but entirely smooth and squishy. Mmm, a powerfully perfect combo. Sweet Tarts, dare to combine. WWE Crown Jewel 2019, not necessarily the event itself, but simply trying to get the wrestlers back home. Yeah. Mm. So shortly after the show, there was talk about the, the, the charter flight that WWE had booked for the talent being delayed. Mm-hmm. And then apparently, you know, uh, one of the, the, the reasons for the delay was par- initially or, or publicly said, stated was uh, issues with the plane. And yeah. so you had apparently talent on the plane waiting to take off, trying to, you know, get together and book a new charter flight for them to get home because there was a smackdown on Friday. They had to do smackdown. Yeah. Um, and then not too long after, you started hearing word about Vince and Brock and... And Hogan and Flair, because Hogan yeah. and Flair were, were captaining those two teams in the, in the tag match, getting out of there seemingly in a hurry. Yeah. About uh, uh, details of the delayed f- flight not necessarily being related to issues with the plane. Mm-hmm. You hear about Vince getting in an argument about uh, uh, TV money yeah. while there. And you hear all these conflicting stories and, 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 you're not sure what to think about what may have happened on that plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, apparently, there was a former oh, WWE yeah. wrestler. Yeah, I've got, I've got it right here. Oh, I got you like have this okay. uh, this affidavit here. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, there was um, what is this? There was like a uh, uh, it was a class action lawsuit, uh, a class action investor lawsuit. Oops, sorry. 
claiming that WWE had misrepresented their business prospects in the Middle East and damaged their brand with a Saudi partnership. And within this lawsuit, there is testimony from an anonymous person. Uh, I think it was a, a former WWE Who claimed employee. to be a former Yeah, here we talent, go. Yeah. Uh, it says, referred to as a confidential witness too. Uh, they are a former WWE wrestler who, te- who started with the company in 2012 and left in April of that year. Uh, he was one of 20 wrestlers flown back. So here, here's, here's some of the stuff. It said, um, uh, Vince and other executives, Flair, Hogan, Brock, left in a hurry while everyone else was ushered off their plane. The pilot sounded distressed, and he was told by a flight attendant that, quote, it seems someone doesn't want us to leave the, the, the country. Talent was, informed, uh, talent was informed that it was a me- mechanical issue, but they also saw a ton of armed men in militia garb blocking their exit and staring at the wrestlers. Um, when senior executive director of talent relations, Mark Carano, was asked about what's going on, Carano told this witness that McMahon and the Crown Prince got into an argument about late payments related to the 2019 July Super Showdown show. Vince cut the feed, the live feed of Crown Jewel, that event, like the one that they were leaving from, yeah. uh, due to the money issue, which made uh, uh, Ben Salman, the, the Saudi Crown Prince, very mad. Uh, it said not only did WWE work with its charter airline to deflect any blame from the company and dismiss public complaints as laughable and conspiracies. Their claims that anyone who didn't wish to return to Saudi Arabia as a result of the situation were bogus. But the witness alleges that for many who tried to tell talent relations that they wouldn't go back, WWE abused their power and threatened the future trajectory of their careers if they did not go. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with the guns saying, no, you're not going anywhere. It's going to be interesting to see if this, this is a subject they decide to tackle at some juncture, if they get uh, people who are on that flight to speak on the record. That would be very interesting. Yeah, because that's literal dangerous ground right there. <laughs> I don't know. People might just be like, you know, it's going to be like, uh, I don't know, like uh, Eric, it's like obviously Eric Redbeard, but he's like pixelated out and his voice is modulated. Well, they just get they just get NWO Eric Redbeard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting. It's like Carl. It's like obviously Carl Anderson, but it's all no, oh, yeah, brother. It was not too sweet. Yeah. Wasn't happy to see those uh, gun, those gunmen. They, they were real Bullet Club. Vince wasn't being a good brother about getting us out of there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and move on to number six. Six. CZW. Just the entirety of the company. Yeah. Uh, their tournament of death, right? Like, they yeah. should be focusing on that shit. Or the cage of death or all the whatever of death stuff. Yeah. Whatever of death CZW has to yeah. offer up. Yeah. So, you know, CZW sprung up towards the tail end of the existence of ECW. It looks like uh, 1998, 1999 or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zandig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who seems like quite a character himself. Yeah, he'd make for a good episode, probably. It'd be something else, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I guess Vice did do the uh, the, the Turbo Death documentary. Isn't that the one where the guy had the bolt stuck in his head? They've, I think I think that, yeah, it was. Um, I think Vice has done a couple CZW-related things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they'd obviously, you know, still have access to everybody. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean... It would be interesting for Darkseid to maybe cover a broader topic like deathmatch wrestling, which yeah. CZW obviously has been at the forefront of. Yeah. Now, now GCW, you know, with you know, who's run by a former CZW referee, Brett mm-hmm. Lauderdale. 
Um, but yeah, no, it, it would be interesting. Also, it would just be interesting because look, pro wrestling is pro wrestling. You know, whenever a company forms, there's probably weird stories about it, anyways. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what sprang up from. Obviously, they did one on XPW already, which had you know didn't run very long. I know it's running now, but it took a yeah. huge break. Yeah. Um, because it sort of flamed out. CZW has been going the entire time. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I, I think they're still going, aren't they? Isn't I believe CZW? so. Are they yeah, not? I believe I they're still running shows. Yeah. 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 They still um, are. So. Uh, so yeah. No, I think I think it'd be really interesting. I honestly, I've seen like only a small handful of CZW matches. Uh, but you know, I mean, obviously, a bunch of names have come from there, including uh, famously John Moxley. Spent yeah. A lot of there's time you know in Adam CZW. Cole wrestled in CZW. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot yeah. of people who may not be well-known as hardcore wrestlers who have wrestled mm-hmm. in CZW. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because, yeah, they do – they they definitely up the ante in terms of the hardcore element in ECW. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, to, to, to extremes that I don't think was terribly common in the United States at the time. Yeah. Um, but that's not exclusively what was going on there, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I guess in the same sense that how ECW wasn't strictly defined by the hardcore aspect of what they did. You know, yeah, there's right, a lot of right. other styles of wrestling at ECW, and I think mm-hmm. to a degree that was the same. I'm not I'm super familiar with CZW, but I can't imagine mm-hmm. Ab Cole beating the cage death match, you know. Um, yeah. uh, so, you know, and, and I, I believe there was, cross, there was a crossover storyline with Ring of Honor and CZW and, and mm-hmm, yeah. you know, in the American independent scene post, you know, the decline and fall of WCW. You know, Ring of Honor is obviously the most prominent independent promotion, but you know, CZW seemingly grew pretty quickly. Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah, it seemed like there was a real, there was a real desire for that in the marketplace. It is kind of interesting how like CZW. I know it was a couple of years apart, but CZW and Ring of Honor sprung up within the same like three, four year time span. Yeah, and they did sort of represent two very distinct things that ECW. You could see ECW doing yeah. because ECW they were big into the into the wrestling wrestling, they but were. then they also did like the extreme wrestling. You know. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. Where maybe if if Ring of Honor was the promotion that focused more on the in ring uh, aspect, traditional in ring mm-hmm. pro wrestling aspect that ECW uh, was presenting, whereas CZW took the hardcore element predominantly that EC, of ECW predominantly focused on that mm-hmm. and, yeah. and and pushed it to uh, an extent that uh, ECW I don't think ever really got. Yeah. Right. 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 So I'm looking. I was just sort of curious. Uh, I looked up Adam Cole CZW deathmatch. He wrestled. He did wrestle uh, Sammy Callahan at Cage of Death fourteen. Oh, there we go. I see a lot of chairs, and it looks like there's what is that? I don't know what that is. Looks like dog food or crap or something. I don't know what that is. There's duty in there. Somebody just dropped it out of a thing. But uh, he did not. Whatever just happened. Oh, ew. I don't know what well, that here's is. some former uh, CZW champions that you wouldn't necessarily think were hardcore wrestlers. Yeah. Uh, Rich Swan. It's a current mm-hmm. uh, a CZW champ. Uh, Anthony Green. Uh, MJF is a former CZW champ. Uh, Swerve Strickland. Uh, Leo Rush. Jonathan Gresham. So it was dog. They they introduced dog poop into this match, and then Adam Cole got to. I do appreciate that they have this like sort of hardcore extreme match, but nobody's bleeding. But Adam Cole is freaking out because he has some dog poop on him. Yeah, that's gross. <laughs> that's, 
So, well, it's alleged dog poop. I don't know. Oh, if it's okay. Real dog poop. Yeah, my, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, Drew Gulak. It looks very, it's, there's a lot of it, and it's, it looks very fresh. You. <laughs> Drew Gulak's former CZW champ. Yep, yep. So, you know, definitely a lot of, a lot of the hardcore stuff, but not exclusively the hardcore stuff. So, yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to number five. Five. Brawl out. So, uh, yeah, this probably have to wait about 10 years. If, and even if, then, if who not knows? more than that. Yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, because right now, allegedly, there's like uh, there's some uh, there's some legal machinations preventing at least the Young Bucks from speaking to CM Punk or something like that. Yeah, or the, or the entirety of the lead or who knows. We don't know. And I think that's it's the mystery, the lack of transparency in terms of how the, the investigation within AEW proceeded uh, as it relates to Brawl Out. Yeah. That it's built up some somewhat of a legendary uh, status in the world of professional wrestling as this event that seemingly bits and pieces of information seem to be relatively well known. The basics of, of what happened that day seem to be relatively well known. Mm-hmm, it's yeah. the details. What led to those events inside the locker room when the fight was happening? You know, well, uh, did did the Young Bucks and Kenny rush through the door uh, to confront CM Punk and Ace Steel, or is it more a situation right, where they right. came in to, to yeah. talk things out? These things we don't know. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and it's those details that that I think people wanted are curious about mm-hmm. because it adds interest to the story, and also I think people are. <laughs> I think some people are curious. Whose fault is it? You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'll put it this way. I think the desire is or, or, or what people really want is to hear the perspectives. Yes. So that they can sort of piece together whose fault it is. Yes. <laughs> you know, because it, you know, unless un, until we hear it from them. And I suspect I honestly suspect it's sort of going to be like nobody's fault. It, I think it's going to be like. I would suspect the elite would be like, yeah, we wanted to go and he said that his door was open to anybody who wanted to talk about it. He just said that we couldn't manage a target, let alone a wrestling company. So we're going to go and open his door because he said we can do that. And then on Punk's side, he's probably like, they came in hot. So I decided to fuck him up. Uh, and and then my dude bit a guy. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I would imagine, but there's probably from their points of view, um, Variations, yeah, and 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 uh, and and I, I I I would imagine it was probably like everybody is going to claim some amount of culpability and some amount of regret, but none enough to be like, yeah, no, the entire thing was my bad. I shouldn't have yeah. done it. You know, yeah. yeah, that's that would be my suspicion yeah. as to how it would go down. And guess what? We still would get nothing in terms no. of like resolution or a real story because it's everybody's perspective and everybody remembers shit differently, you know? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, if, if there was a, 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 a outside unbiased observer who witnessed everything, everything, you know, may, maybe their account of what happened could be the most unbiased uh, of, of those presented, you know, there, there was, yeah. Like mega was apparently there and was there mm-hmm. with the young bucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, apparently early on, there's people in there trying to break it up, like Christopher Daniels. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, it term, until we get some sort of transparent recounting of what happened, we're just mm-hmm. never going to know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we there's enough knowledges out there, but it would be very interesting just to hear the the players speak on it mm-hmm. and the witnesses speak on it. Um, I mean, honestly, it just seems like the sort of thing that escalated quickly 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and and you know tempers were flaring. I mean, Punk was obviously already emotionally in a oh, certain yeah. place. Um, and to hear him say the things he did, the the elite were probably certainly in a place. Um, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. It would be interesting to see them address it. And who knows? Maybe maybe it's the kind of thing where if everybody gets on the same page to make some money, it'll allow them then to express what happened sooner than later and when mm-hmm. i say sooner i mean within that 10 year time frame exactly that i initially talked about but if, if that never happens if everybody leaves the company without having worked with each other we're talking decades yeah but here's the thing if and when they ever tell their story it probably won't be on an episode of dark side of the ring like someone will write a book about it you know like cm punk will write a book in a dozen years and or, or dax or something like that um and they'll recount their recollections, you know? I think you're probably right, yeah. But I'm trying to think, like, in terms of, like, a, a docu-style, you know, thing. Yeah. Dark Side is sort of like... The, the, the oh, great thing, the, 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 the Dark top, Side yeah. brand has become sort of, you know, synonymous. Where I, I, could see, I could see that maybe being... If, yeah, I think the a- book, I think definitely a book. Yeah. But I think yeah. that the first time anybody would speak in front of a camera on the record, I could oh, see that. Perchance, I could yeah. see that. Yeah. But I could see the book happening first. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Dark side probably wouldn't get the, the, the story first. It'd be someone writing you know, a book should. and be like, hey, find out the truth about Brawl Out in this book. So wrestling fans will buy it. We should we should uh, kayfabe uh, uh, the version of it and put it in a comic book form, graphic novel form. There we go. And then we just change everybody's names because I still think that like you need likeness rights and stuff. Anyways, yeah. Uh, let's move on to number four. Four, the Montreal screw job. That uh, is the original Montreal screw job. Talking about people getting bit, Larson. Yeah, we're gonna go all the way back to what is this? Nineteen thirty. December tenth, nineteen thirty. Oh, is that when it was? Okay. That's what that's what this article says right here. Oh no! Oh says, wait a uh, second. May fourth, nineteen thirty-one. Yeah, there it is, May 4th, 1931. Uh, Ed Lewis was taking on Henri de Glain in Montreal. Oh. Ed Lewis was champ. He had the title. Uh, two out of three falls bout uh, in, 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 in de Glain's home turf, Montreal, mm-hmm. Quebec, Canada. Um, uh, Lewis lost the first fall, so rather than just continuing the match, apparently each wrestler adjourned to their respective locker rooms. Yeah. And apparently at that point, either de Glain or one member of his training staff bit him under his arm. Mm. And so they went back out to the ring at one point in this during, uh, uh, the, before the second fall, mm-hmm. uh, after a, 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 a pit attempt, the Glenn gets up agitated. Ah, ah, and shows off the bite mark. And so the referee DQs Lewis and awards the fall and therefore the title to the Glenn. Damn. Yeah, and it was this, this, it was this incident that Cornette referenced in the Montreal Screwjob episode, which or, is why he like had the months. most the most yeah. credibility because yeah. he had no, yeah, we just do this again. Yeah, do you think that they should have done like a uh, uh, like uh, Shawn Michaels should have like bit himself? <laughs> and then, That'd have been an know, interesting reference to. Uh, <laughs> and then he's like, ah, he bit me. The yeah. hitman bit me. And then the ref, and then Hebner's like, ring the bell, DQ, you keep your title. They'd have to change the stipulation that if anybody got DQ'd or counted out, the title could change hands. That would be an important stipulation. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, because Brett walked in with the title. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, it's interesting that this happened because we'll talk about more more about Ed Lewis uh, uh, within the context of the Gold Dust Trio later mm-hmm. on. But uh, you know, one of the reasons that Tootsman and Billy Sandow mm-hmm. formed this alliance with Ed Lewis is that he was like the best in the world, and the the the, the chances of anybody shooting on him in any respect was like, no, that's not going to happen. This guy could just legit beat anybody. Right, yeah. And so I yeah. guess, to a degree, Henri Declain was like, ah, I have a creative solution to this. Oh, chomp. <laughs> they yeah, didn't rely on wrestling savvy or skill, but just wits. Yeah, yeah, the ref wasn't in on it. He, he was just like, uh, well, this guy, he could beat me no matter what. I'm not going to be able to pin his shoulders to the mat. So, uh, yeah, let's let's try something a little bit clever. Subterfuge. He's never going to see this coming. Nope. What are you going to do? I'm going to bite myself. Uh, so, uh, yeah, kind of interesting. Um, and there's still a lot of debate to this day over who knew what. Now, obviously, this would be kind of dark side episode where they just have to talk to Cornette and Bill Apter and Dave Meltzer. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, cause you know, if they, if they find, I don't know, I mean, maybe I, am, I would imagine cause I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure Ed Strangler, Ed Strangler Lewis probably has like recounted that story to people who might have recounted it to other people. So you might yeah. get like some secondhand or even thirdhand, you know, accounts well, of it from people. There was press of the day that maybe covered it mm-hmm. too. Right, right. Yeah, that could be as well. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, back then it was so interesting uh, reading up on, I got this book. Uh, it's called Death of the Territory. I think it's called Death of the Territory. It's one yeah. of those books I got. And it, it talks <laughs> about, uh, you know, just how just how cutthroat wrestling was back then when you'd have you know multiple promotions and territories trying to claim that they had a real world's champion and uh and then you know that person they'd be bribing like the the state commissions to get like promotions shut down and shit yeah. like that so that yeah. they had the real world's champion. It was it was gnarly and cutthroat back then because it was big money. That that's what we'll talk about in this here in a, in a second here. The Gold Dust Trio took it out of the carnivals and into the arenas and started making big big money off mm-hmm. it and when there's big money, people are going to want a piece of it and they're going to want to edge out the competition. Exactly. Um in this case, uh, they took a bite out of the competition. Ah. Uh-huh. Let's talk about number 3. 3 Black Saturday. So this is when Vince McMahon uh, <laughs> was like, he was, he was, he was awkwardly stumbling his way into nationalizing the WWF. Yes. And uh, one way he did that was uh, to purchase uh, the cable time slot <clears throat> of uh, what was it Georgia Championship Georgia Wrestling? Championship Wrestling on the Super State Superstation TBS. Which was wildly different in presentation than the WWF back then. Yeah. Uh, in that WWF, you ever watched the WWF wrestling back then? Um, it would they were trying their damnedest to present it as like a sport. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the commentators were very you know, Vince um, was was were very much looking at it as a sport. Bob Backlund probably the least care back then. Yeah. Like later on, like '90s Backlund, for some reason, he's got tons of charisma. Yeah, I know, I know. Backlund now has tons of charisma. If you look at him as a champion for five years back in the '70s and and early '80s, this dude had zero charisma. His promos were mumbly bumbly. But he had the amateur wrestling credentials. 
but he was a stud in the ring. Exactly. He had the credentials. The guy looked like an Olympian. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, but you go over to, uh, to George championship wrestling. Um, and it was, everything looked like a bar fight. Mm-hmm. You know, they had colorful characters. They had dusty roads. They had all those NWA guys. And so Vince comes in and just imagine again, you're, you know, down there in Georgia, you're enjoying your territory wrestling. It's like the only thing you know, right? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you're you're not watching the New York product. No. And you're like, oh man, let's check out Dusty Rhodes this week or or, or Magnum T or whoever. Or Harley Race. And then it's it's just Vince McMahon. And he's like, Oh, look what happened at Madison Square Garden last week. And you just get like a bunch of clips from WWE. It's like, what the fuck is this shit? Exactly. Exactly. Where are my people? Yeah. So, and that's what uh, Black Saturday was. Yeah, July fourteenth, nineteen eighty four. People who were expecting some Georgia Championship Wrestling. The show was called World Championship Wrestling. Right. They yeah. turn it on that day and they don't see the, the the faces they're familiar with. Instead, they see Vince McMahon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, talking about his new show. Talking about <laughs> the WWF. And when it lasted, what, all of... Uh, so they started losing money because people stopped watching it because it wasn't the product <laughs> they were used to. They wanted They yeah. wanted their NWA action. Right, exactly. They wanted dudes in jeans with pot bellies. Exactly. <laughs> and exactly. cages bleeding all over the place. Yeah. Um, so eventually, I'm trying to find the date here. Uh, 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 Vince sold the time spot back. He sold it to Turner, I think, right? To Turner, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for a million dollars. And he used that million dollars to finance WrestleMania, uh, the One. first WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the the actual date of Black Saturday it wasn't like March something. It was like March July May 4th. July fourteenth. Oh, it was July fourteenth. Okay, nineteen eighty four. And then when did he end up selling it to back to Turner? Was it like a couple months or a couple weeks or something? I thought it was like a. Like it a was not very long. It was a really small period of time. So yeah, it was July fourteenth, and that's when uh, 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 Vince was introduced as like you know basically the new dad, mm-hmm. and uh, he was like, "No, you're gonna love this shit," and then. Uh, uh, in so that was July fourteenth of eighty four. Um, people didn't like it, and then March second, nineteen eighty five, they started airing in studio matches, and they changed the name of the show to WWF to WWF Georgia Championship Wrestling. Uh, and then uh, and then it was it was like a bunch of uh, WWF stars there. Um, these programs ran until March thirtieth, uh, and then it was bought. It was purchased. Uh, by Jim Crockett, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, uh, purchased the slot from McMahon, mm-hmm. who then was able to take the mon- that money and uh, and, and do WrestleMania one. with it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, um, but uh, yeah, it says Turner himself because you know it's all going down on Turner programming. Yeah, he was angered by the sinking ratings and made two decisions that would fix the ratings problem. First, he made an offer to Bill Watts, who ran Mid South, to take a Sunday afternoon time slot on TBS. And then he entered uh, into negotiations to bring Georgia Wrestling Championship Wrestling from Georgia uh, to Saturday mornings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then McMahon was pissed off about this, and so it was just it was just a mess. Yeah, Turner so was counter programming his own pro- programming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, uh, that was when yeah McMahon he just it was, he was doing too much, man. He was doing, doing a lot. Much. He was doing too much. A lot. He was like, oh, you're going to like this a lot better. It's really boring. If you go back and watch that shit, it's boring as fuck. Yeah. It's yeah. boring till Hogan gets there. Like, yeah. once Hogan gets there, it's like, oh, my God, what is this? this? This dude looks like a cartoon. 
Yeah. You know. Before that before. dull. <laughs> before that very dull. Uh, all right, let's move on to number two. Two. The Gold Dust Trio. So uh, the history of wrestling up to like the 1920s and 30s, it was a, there was a lot of, it was very carnival, carnival based, a lot of carny action there. Long and, matches, uh, long dull matches. Long dull match. Now, a lot of those matches were still to a degree predetermined. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think a lot of the times they would just sort of have like really good wrestlers against jabronis. Mm-hmm. And that was the predetermined nature of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the problem with these things is that uh, they just, they went on too long, man. Yeah. It, it was, was like hour three hour long matches. Contest, and you're like, oh gosh. And it was just a couple of dudes like rolling around trying to pin each other's like shoulders to the mat. I think two out of three falls is like the norm back then. The norm, then, yeah, it was. Um, which is silly. But uh, but yeah, and then along comes uh, Ed Strangler Lewis. Already talked about him. Mm-hmm. He was a dominant champion. Yep. And then he met up with uh, Billy Sandow and Toots Mott. Yep. And uh, they were like, "Hey, how can we make this better?" And they're like, "Well, number one, uh, all these three-hour matches, nobody's into that. How about like fifteen-minute matches? Let's do that instead. And then we can have DQs, and then we can actually plan out the finishes." They're like, "Look." We're already, you know, we already we're already suckering people into thinking that this stuff. Even though, like, the press back then totally knew yeah. that this shit was fake. Yeah, they're like, look, people already know it's fake, so at least let's make it entertaining because we want to bring it out of the carnivals and into the arenas because we think we can make a lot of money on this fake fighting shit. Mm-hmm. And then they did that, and they 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 made a lot of money on the fake fighting shit. They did, they did. They called this new style, which is. It's interesting reading up on it a bit and, and hearing that Toots Mond, in a lot of respects, is the one who's responsible for pro wrestling as we know it now. Yeah, sure, yeah. Um, you know, not to, not to uh, downplay Lewis or, or Sandow's contributions, but it seems like uh, like Mott w- w- came up with most of the finishes himself. Uh, the style was called Slam Bang Western Style. Introduces, mm-hmm. like, body slams, punches, suplexes. Things that are normal these days within the language of professional wrestling. Mm-hmm, yeah, right. Brand yeah. new stuff in the 1920s. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 and by every conceivable measure, probably a lot more exciting than two dudes locked up in a collar and elbow tie-up for 12 minutes, you know? Yeah, right. Trying to gain leverage <laughs> yeah. on one another. Yeah, exactly. um, And so it's not shocking to hear about how it took wrestling out of carnivals Mm-hmm. And into stadiums and arenas mm-hmm. in really short order, seemingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And pretty much once they developed the style and started booking their matches accordingly, they basically took over wrestling on a national level for a good yeah. chunk of the 20s. Because they were making so much more money, the wrestlers would make so much more money by they wrestling. They were signed to there. exclusive contracts and all this stuff. Yeah. 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 They were basically Vince McMahon before Vince McMahon. And it's exactly. funny because Toots it was Vince Sr.'s mentor. He mm-hmm. helped yeah, start. Right. Yeah. Uh, found the WWWF. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. When it was a Capital Wrestling Corporation. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah. And again, uh, like anything, for them to succeed, a lot of other people would fail, and therein lies the dark aspect of it. Is that you get a lot of people who are like, oh man, no, nah, no, nah, see, I like it being in the carnival. You know, all these rubes out here betting money on it because they used to bet money. Like that's yeah. what they would do. Yeah, it's like, oh, come see these strong men. You, how much you want to bet on this jabroni over here? And then like guy would step up, and I'm like, oh, there's no way he's gonna win. And then he would. Well, then win. That guy would lift like 500 pounds over his head. Be like, oh no, <laughs> this, there's no chance this guy loses. Little they know <laughs> right. that that weight, a 500 pound weight, completely hollow. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. And they lose they lose all their bits. <laughs> I know. Oh, put man. four bits on this match. I had four bits on this guy at a whole dollar. That's like a month's wage. <laughs> 1915 or whatever 1921 or something like that (laughs) i just Uh, got back from the war (laughs) so uh gold gold dust trio uh eventually they disbanded 1920 yeah they imploded because like they started getting too greedy with each other exactly uh and so they all went their separate ways and ed lewis obviously he ended up getting screwed out of the title by Henri de glane in montreal a few Mm. years after the breakup mentioned tootsman going on to form uh the wwwf and then Billy Sandow, oh, later met, managed uh, some other wrestlers. Uh, says here on Wikipedia, Everett Marshall and Roy Dunn. Oh, what? I didn't know he managed Everett Marshall and Roy Dunn. Interesting. Very interesting. interesting. Yeah. Oh, Ed Lewis went on to be the, uh, the manager for one Luthez. <laughs> Jeez, that's... That's how old this shit is. He was managing Luthes. Oh, man. Anyways, let's go ahead and move on to number one. One. God damn it. Vince McMahon goes national. Man, I'm reading this great book. I forget what it's called. Death of the Tip. Maybe it's Death of the I don't know what it is. But it's like, it's just literally, it is chapter after chapter after chapter of Vince McMahon getting on planes and just offering giant checks to, to territories to take their TV time slots, put on his boring ass WWF, WWF, WWF shit, uh, or uh, they'd be like, nah, we're doing good here. And he's like, oh, fine. And he just poaches them and runs them out of town. Yeah, he takes all their top talent and then, and then they got no hope after that. Exactly, yeah. Yep. Yes. So so the story of Vince McMahon, you know, uh, purchasing the uh, WWF from his dad and then being like, oh. Pennies I'm on gonna, the dollar at that. Yeah, right. He paid his dad a million dollars for it. Oh, I don't know. I think it's what it was. Oh, oh, is that what it was? I think that's what it was. A million for WrestleMania and a a million for his actual company? I think so. All right. Didn't he get it from like Linda's, uh, like his wife's family or something like that? Oh, maybe. I don't know. There's probably a lot of Mandela effects going on right here. I, I would I would think that the dark side guys would probably do a bit more research than we have, given that they're like they have like a whole show. Yeah, I'm sure they have a whole staff that does the research. We are but two men. <laughs> we came up with this idea an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Oh man! So if, uh, if, if some of the details are a little fuzzy, sorry. Yeah, I know exactly. Um, but no, look, man. Clearly, they did the steroid trial. Uh, which was shocking in that they had a uh, uh, McDevitt, the lawyer. Yeah, that is, you know, on the record there for Dark Side, which is pretty ballsy. Um, but uh, but yeah, it would be really interesting to get. Uh, you know, obviously they did the tales from the territories, mm-hmm. uh, and then they can tell sort of the last story of that. Which I mean, is yeah, very, you know, yeah, and, and and knowing you know that getting a lot of the people that were involved in running those territories during the tales of Tor- territory series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it'd be interesting to hear their perspective on this in particular. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's kind of crazy that like Vince McMahon just sort of did what honestly he was just forward thinking. You know, it's like and 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 you know, unfortunately, Vince he was also incredibly cutthroat and he's a yeah. bit of a fucking bastard. Yeah. But uh, so it was you know, unfortunately, it was the fucking bastard who who took it national. But it's like. It would have happened if somebody, he was Vern Gagne, somebody 
would have figured out eventually. Oh, I don't think Vern would have. He didn't seem to have any inclination to really go beyond the other. <laughs> no, I know, but like eventually somebody. Yeah, would eventually, have, especially you know? you know when you have the advent of cable, and you could have like TBS did a, mm, a network yeah. or WGN is another example, a network that's 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 uh, regional in terms mm. of focus available to anybody mm, across yeah. the nation. I remember growing up in, in the mid-late 80s and watching a lot of Cubs games on WGN mm. just because they were on. Right. Yeah, and I really yeah. liked baseball. Mm. Um, you know, and, and, and you, whether it's Georgia Championship Wrestling or, or Vince on USA at the time, it was going to happen eventually where a, mm. a, a regional promotion was going to gain such a fan base on a national level because of cable. Yeah. That it seemed inevitable. Confirmed $1 million that Vince paid. Oh, for. wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's crazy. My memory didn't fail me this time. And their stock price today is as high as it's ever been. It reached like $115, right? Oh, it was 15 Okay. Well, 114 plus. Man, oh, man. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, this would be the ultimate story, I think, to tell about Vince McMahon just running roughshod, brother. It would be the, getting you know, the perspectives, yeah. You make the, the Thanos analogy with Vince. Mm-hmm. This would kind of be the ultimate culmination mm-hmm. of yeah, right. at least the first part of of mm-hmm. Vince's story, you know. Yeah. Before the eventual downfall. Yeah, right. Yeah. So Yeah. Yep. Seems like a natural one to do. Anyways, let us know what you guys want to see in the comments below for the next season of Dark Side of the Ring. Who knows? Maybe Evan and Jason will be looking at the comments and be like Great ideas, idea. all of them. Great ideas. Look at all these great ideas that the friendos have. You know, anyways, uh, that's going to do it for this count out. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate it. Till next time, we'll see you around. Goodbye.